You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Lots to get through, folks. Impeachment vote, the first step in the process. What comes next? The White House is calling it a witch hunt on Halloween. Meanwhile, happy Nats win. World Series champions. How cool is that? We've got an all-star panel to get through, and we're going to check in with Congressman Denver Riggleman, a Republican from Virginia. He's calling in. Uh, this hour. Max Burns is here in studio, Democratic strategist, senior contributor at Millennial Politics. Tyler Deaton, Republican strategist and fundraiser. He is also the president of Allegiance Strategies. He's always in in Los Angeles these days, but finally he's back here in Washington, D.C. We've got this great story about the Washington or about the Nationals, Nationals tax collectors set to score post-World Series. And the author of that story, Bloomberg's Sam McQuillan, is going to call in the Washington Nationals or World Series champions for the first time and for the first time in line for lofty bonuses subject to a mix of taxes and fees. Taxes, they'll get you even when you win the World Series. What a game last night. I mean, truthfully, what a game. And the parade's going to be on Saturday. <coughs> and yeah, just a great, great moment for Washington as I was leaving the White House this morning and going after some early morning uh, stuff for Bloomberg TV and I'm walking up to the Capitol. It was probably one of the only times where I've seen Republicans and Democrats all rooting for the same thing. Hey, but Ted Cruz was mad, everybody. Ted Cruz was mad. Joining us here in studio, Tyler Deaton, Republican strategist and fundraiser. He's president of Allegiance Strategies. And Max Burns, Democratic strategist, senior contributor at Millennial Politics. Did you gentlemen watch the game last night? Did. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a Braves fan. Shame Uh, on you. Yeah, I'll own it. Are you a Yankees fan, though? I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a Chicago boy. Uh, Another one that went to Game 7, though. I do. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. (laughs) That's rude. I love New York City. I would move to New York City happily. I'll trade you. Uh, (laughs) I I like my my life here in Washington, D.C. All right, so there was a big, 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 big vote today. I'm sure you both followed it. And and so I, I get up there to Capitol Hill. I'm 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 trying to figure out precisely what we're voting on because all week I've been covering this since they've announced that they were going to do this. And really, essentially what it does is is kickstart the impeachment inquiry process and allow for 
the process to formally get underway and for there potentially to be open hearings in Congress. So they vote this. It's largely a party line vote. Speaker Pelosi calls it a quote unquote somber, sad day. Republicans are calling it a witch hunt, uh, a witch hunt on Halloween. And it was a party line vote except for two Democrats. I was actually struck by, by that there were two Democrats who voted with Republicans. But where do we go from here, Tyler? Well, I think Speaker Pelosi is probably a little disappointed that she didn't pull a single Republican over onto the yes side. I'm a little surprised by that myself. I There's so stunned. many Republicans retiring, not running again. There's probably at least a couple Republicans who might have seen some political benefit from voting yes, and even they didn't vote yes. So I think that that was a blow to her and, and the fact that this is starting out in a very partisan way. Well, let's take a listen, Max, to, to what Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi had to say about it. Here, take a listen. I don't know why the Republicans are afraid of the truth. Every member should support allowing the American people to hear the facts for themselves this that is really what this vote is about so the vote was 232 to 196 as i mentioned there were two democrats who broke from their party voted against the resolution congressman jeff van drew of new jersey and colin peterson of minnesota they both voted no why i have no idea <clears throat> are you is, surprised by that it is it's a little surprising and it's surprising also to see that tulsi gabbard voted for impeachment after being very skeptical of it in the debate uh, but it really shows the brilliance That's interesting you're the first person i heard today who mentioned that good point yeah it, it shows you the the brilliance of nancy pelosi giving republicans essentially what they've been complaining about for weeks they said this is an impeachment in private it's in the basement uh, and then they universally vote against the most transparent impeachment process in American history. So Congressman Jim Jordan, a Republican from Ohio, uh, was asked about this. Take a listen to what he had to say. He's been one of the president's most, the loudest, fiercest critics on the issue of impeachment. Here he is. One member of this body knows who this person is who started this whole darn crazy process, Chairman Chip. And what this resolution do? Gives him even more power to run this secret proceeding in a bunker in the basement of the Capitol. A bunker in the basement of the cap of the Capitol. Huh, Ty? <laughs> also known as a skiff or, <laughs> or an area where they can review classified information. I mean, yeah. I, I think Which that's- Which apparently a, is, is very easy <clears throat> to get into. Apparently. Yeah. Um, look, I don't understand why we even care what a member of the minority party in the House says about this process. Oh, I see. I disagree. I'm only interested in what Senate Republicans have to say. The outcome in the House is predetermined. And so Jim Jordan and other really far-right members of the House are going to continue to opine. But what I want to hear is Susan Collins. I, I want totally to hear Mitt disagree. Romney. I want to hear Lisa Murkowski. Because I think that what this boils down to is we know what the House is going to do. The House is going to vote to impeach. And when this moves over to the Senate... I think I and, and most other Americans are really intrigued to see like if this is going to break off of party lines in the Senate because if it doesn't then this is just going to be one gigantic waste of time. Well, I mean, well, I mean, you've already heard. I mean, that part I agree with, but but you you, you already have heard that the votes aren't there. I mean, even the comments coming from uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's office with regards to the uh, to the to the folks who are going to be voting. I mean, it's just it, it's really just been very steady in that regard. Here's why I disagree with you on on regards to Congressman Jim Jordan, because Jim Jordan has emerged as one of, as the the voice 
of the minority party on this. That's a that is interesting because it 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 it, it illustrates that the Freedom Caucus has a direct line into President Trump's ear. And it, it furthers their relationship in a way that the Freedom Caucus has been able to utilize versus more uh, moderate, uh, traditional Romney-esque type of Republicans who traditionally the, the more Paul Ryan-esque Republicans. And so Jim Jordan has ascended. Freedom Caucus has ascended in, in this particular moment with regards to the to the Republicans. No. Yeah, it raises the question of of what even is the Republican Party in 2019. I mean, the the presidential candidate for the Republicans in 2012 is now being derided as a socialist liberal in disguise, and it seems that Matt Gates and Jim Jordan and these wingnuts have sort of become the voice and the guiding view of the Republican Party in Congress. Wow, not parsing words today, Max. It's it's, it's hard to argue that Matt Gates is is debating in good faith when he raids a skiff with a cell phone, mm-hmm. violates confidential procedures, puts security at risk to make a point that is this at, at best completely rendered irrelevant by this by this impeachment vote. What are you being for Halloween, Tyler? Sexy Abraham Lincoln. Oh my god. Max, what are you being for Halloween? Sexy Donald Trump. Okay, I'm, I'm not going out for Halloween. All right, I'm going to leave it there. Coming up, we're going to talk tax policy and the Washington Nationals. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Whatever happened to people dressing up as like a mummy? You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. <laughs> I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. Baby sharks, gnats, wind. Did you guys see this? Senator Tim Kaine, a Democrat from Virginia, bet with Ted Cruz, the Republican. You know, everybody knows Ted Cruz, the Republican from Texas, over the uh, World Series. And now Ted Cruz has to buy booze and barbecue for Tim Kaine's staffs, and he's also got to walk around the Capitol in uh, in a Nats jersey. Yeah, tough loss for Ted Cruz. Joining us on the line, Bloomberg tax reporter and Penn State grad Sam McQuillan. Sam, thanks for calling him. Hey, thanks for having me, Kevin. So you've got this great story uh, that I I loved when I when I woke up today because leave it to a tax policy reporter to find a way to write about the World Series win. Here's the headline. Nationals tax collectors set to score post-World Series. The Washington Nationals are World Series champions for the first time and for the first time in line to for lofty bonuses subject to a mix of taxes and fees. So, I, I mean, in order, each of the Nats players, they get $416,000 for their postseason efforts, uh, but they're going to get heavily taxed. Tell us about it. Oh yeah, they're going to get heavily taxed. I mean, uh, all the figures are based off of last year's uh, winnings because this ones don't get posted until December. But uh, it, it's kind of estimated that if they live in the district, they'll get about thirty-seven thousand dollars in taxes they have to pay on that. Wow. Or if they live in one of the neighboring states like Virginia or Maryland, they'll have to pay almost 24000 So, See, this is relatable to folks driving home on their way home from work and because there's always that debate. Do you live in, in D.C.? Do you live in Virginia? Do you live in Maryland? 
because of the different taxes. I mean, if you if 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 any of these players live in the district, they're going to get much heavier tax than if they lived in Virginia, no? Oh yeah, certainly. Yeah, uh, DC has much higher income taxes uh than Virginia or Maryland, uh, which I think is well documented in people who live along the beltway. So you did this, you estimated the bonuses amount based on the 2018 bonus pool. Yep, that's and right. So uh, talk to us about how you calculated it. So I used to always joke when I was uh, in high school because I wanted to be a journalist that, oh, this algebra stuff, this pre-calculus stuff. Like, yeah, I, I hate need math. To, to know any of this. I hate math. That's why I went into writing. <laughs> Get out the um, TI-83+. plus. Go ahead. Exactly. And lo and behold, I had to bring out my uh, old calculator for this one um, <laughs> to, to do some uh, some of those skills that I kind of uh, wish I had left in high school. But uh, So I started with pretty much I found the uh, the federal income tax, which these guys are millionaires, most of them. So it's going to be in the, the higher tax bracket, the highest tax bracket of 37%. And then I took that money um, and then I tacked on each state income tax as well. And, you know, for players living in Texas, and fortunately for them, and fortunately um, for me having to do math, they don't have any state income taxes there. So it, it, it was easier than I thought it would be. I just kind of had to add the two tax things together and then uh, kind of figure out what they're going to get at the end. It really is fascinating. And it proves that no matter what, you can find a way to make tax policy applicable to anything. Our yeah, thanks a tax to, angle to everything. Yeah, there is a tax angle to everything. Our thanks to Bloomberg tax reporter Sam McQuillan. Thanks for calling in. Uh, he's still here with us, uh, Democratic strategist Max Burns, Tyler Deaton, Republican strategist. So where do we go from here in terms of uh, in terms of this? Well, first of all, did you tax any of? Did you follow any of that, Max? I, yeah, I did, and I just feel bad now. I guess for for Bryce Harper, who's got that thirteen year, three hundred and thirty million dollars to pay taxes on, and he still doesn't get a ring. Wow. Well, he's a Philadelphia Philly, and he gets to live in the the, the beautiful city of of brotherly love. Um, in terms of, but seriously, in terms of where we go from here on a policy standpoint, uh, how does impeachment, Tyler, impacted the policy, the policy debates of Washington D.C.? Well, they've slowed down, if not evaporated entirely. And I think that that's another criticism that people across the political spectrum have of what's happening. Like, if we all know how the House is going to vote and we know how the Senate's going to vote, then I don't necessarily mind having this process, but they need to hurry it up because we still don't have a budget. We still don't have a plan to protect dreamers. We don't have a plan to have a trade deal with China, on and on and on. These are things that are really going to matter for the future of our country and our economy. Well, on the issue of USMCA, and, and I was following this and, and talking to some folks about this earlier today, uh, and if you're just joining us, we're, we're pivoting back to, to the impeachment inquiry. I did a brutal transition there from tax policy of the World Series to back to the impeachment. So apologies on that regards. Uh, but, but on the issue of USMCA and on policy and the impacts that impeachment are having on policy, I've actually heard from folks on both sides of the aisle that USMCA is going to be that one area where Republicans and Democrats can work together on simply because Republicans want to show that they can get something done even when Democrats are impeaching them. And Democrats want to show that they can get something done even while they are impeaching President Trump. Speaker Pelosi was asked specifically about USMCA. Here she is. We are moving with the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, making progress every day. I'm optimistic that we are still on the path to yes and that, that we will uh, come to conclusions soon on that. Here you have it, Max. Nancy Pelosi is an optimist. 
I think I think realistically, the last thing you're going to see, though, is Democrats in the House or the Senate giving Donald Trump big legislative victories on his core trade issues going into an election year, uh, especially given all of the sort of extra benefits uh, and privileges that this impeachment vote has given to Trump's legal team. Uh, the show of impeachment is going to consume everything. And if people don't think that's true, they just need to look back at, at Bill Clinton. Devil's advocate in the sense that the oxygen in the room is sucked out by impeachment and that takes off some of the political uh, gasoline, so to speak, fig figuratively, on an issue like UMCA so that because there's no really other room to talk about anything else, so much of the heated nature of, of, the, of the progressive left and, yes, even the far right that will be critical of USMCA, they're not really going to be paying attention as much to it. Yeah, I agree with it. Look, Democrats can register their opposition to the president by impeaching him. They don't have to oppose a good trade deal to oppose the president. It's interesting. And there was actually, I'm going to get real wonky for a second. There was an export-import bank hearing today on the House Financial Services Committee and members of the squad, of which freshman Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a member of, of the House FinServe. And actually, Steny Hoyer showed up to this hearing because Chairwoman Maxine Waters it was it was getting a little fiery in the sense that there were members of the squad who were continuously attacking the Exim Bank, which has the same political support right now that USMCA does, which means the far left doesn't have. So I'm getting into the weeds, but it shows that on the day of impeachment, Exim was able to advance from the House Financial Sur uh, Services Committee because there wasn't a lot of attention on it. I don't know. Do you see what I'm trying to do there? Though, yeah, I Tyler? do. <clears throat> I understand what you're saying, and yeah. I think that it's right. I just think, though, we have to have floor time. And right now, the only thing keeping the USMCA from passing is not the Senate. It's the House. And Speaker Pelosi needs to put it up for a vote. When do you think she does that? You know, uh, six weeks ago, we were saying that it probably wouldn't be until after Thanksgiving. And I think that that's still the case. I think it's going to be in that mid-holiday window. Do you think, Max, just quickly, that there's articles of impeachment that are brought before the end of the year? Or do you think we're, in, we're into January? I think they may well move before the end of the year. I think prior to Bill Taylor's testimony that really shook the ground with uh, almost everyone, we were looking at a more protracted fact-finding uh, part of this investigation. Now we're moving at a pretty quick clip yeah. from, the, from the initial vote now. Uh, yeah, it's completely possible. All right, coming up, we're going to check in with Congressman Denver Riggleman, a Republican from Virginia. He's going to talk to us all about what happened on the Financial Services Committee today, as well as, obviously, with impeachment. And I, that was a brutal transition away from the Baby Shark song to tax policy back into impeachment. <laughs> I know. I thought we were going to talk I, about D.C. statehood. Yeah, I, I was like, where? So, you know, but, you know, I think it was the Nats win that sort of, got me a little, uh, just a little unfocused. All right, coming up, more from Denver Riggleman and the panel. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. 
Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. That's a great song, too, but I really like the Baby Shark music when we were coming back. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. What a day, folks. What a day on Capitol Hill. Joining us on the telephone line is Congressman Denver Riggleman, a Republican from Virginia. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us. What did you make of the impeachment inquiry vote? Well, <laughs> well, I think uh, we pretty, I, I would say we knew what was going to happen. I yes. don't think there was really any surprises on the floor. I think the couple Democrats that came over was a mild surprise. Uh, we thought there was going to be a few more. We were watching the vote pretty closely um, on the monitor down the floor because we had a feeling we could get a half a dozen to 10 Democrats uh, that would vote against the inquiry, uh, the inquiry, but two did. And we know there were some people where they were looking sideways over at us, like uh, not sure what to do. So that that it, it wasn't a huge surprise that a couple Democrats came over, but we thought we might even get more. But uh, it, it really went how we thought it was going to go. So what's next in the process? Because it, just in covering this congressman, it, it I still don't really know what you all voted on i mean i get it it's 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 there's going to be public hearings now but we sort of always knew that well you know here's the thing yes uh you know you know my background can we talked before before i'm an intelligence officer and yes i find it i found it amazing and it's and, and for people that are listening I, I hope they get what i'm trying to say here and and, I, and i'm going to say it in a different way it's probably not a different way but i as an intelligence officer know how this works I know that there's the reason that the HIPC is doing this, the Intelligence Committee, they got some problems with transfer of classified information that they're afraid to come out because people broke the law in here. We're going to find out. The reason that the reason they had to vote on this today was to sort of acknowledge the fact that they've been doing it for 38 days. But it also is incredible. We were voting on an impeachment inquiry where I, as an intelligence officer, 26 years of combined military intelligence experience, have not, I have not been allowed to read one word of any transcript. Um, the only thing I've seen the same thing as the American public. I have seen the whistleblower report, the IG report, and the call transcript. That's it. So, and uh, that's pretty amazing. It's people should be a little bit shocked, and the American people should demand the release of everything right now. Transparency always. So, you're joining us on the line is Congressman Denver Riggleman, a Republican from Virginia. He worked as a contractor for the National Security Agency. He also served in the United States Air Force. Uh, and he was an intelligence where he was also an intelligence officer overseas. So as, as this moves forward, Congressman, do you have any concerns about what went on with regards to the administration's communications with Ukraine? And is that separate from concerns that you might have or don't have with President Trump himself? Did you understand that what, what I'm trying to get at with that question? I did. I did. Yeah, from the transcripts I read, no. And so what I did, I like to do research on past Congresses. So 
We went back to 113, 114, and the 115 Congress, Kevin. I know me and you have had some incredible conversations about this research and intelligence work, but we found three resolutions, non-binding resolutions, uh, bipartisan, that said more or less, and and I would love to get those numbers for you. I'm driving right now, but that said more or less that Ukrainian assistance was dependent on them fighting corruption. So I'm having a tough time right now looking at that, right? Um, So this is what I'm going to be bringing out here soon. I've also been uh, doing a lot of research on 18 uh, uh, U.S. Code, uh, 18 U.S.C. Uh, Section 798, which is the uh, dis- uh, Disclosure of Classified Information to Unauthorized Persons Act, which is what I lived under my whole life So uh, in the uh-huh. intelligence career field. So um, there's a lot of things I think that they're, afraid, that, that they're afraid of, the Democrats, based on what we have out there. But the fact that President Obama can lean over to Medvedev and said, hey, you know, we can have – once I'm reelected, things can go a lot better – um, there's always been this sort of push from the executive to fight corruption, regardless of who the entity or the organization is. So from what I've read, it's really hard as an intelligence officer to say there was any real wrongdoing there. Uh, and that's why, again, it's a head scratcher for a lot of the people on the floor today. All right, I've got to ask you one question about the Financial Services Committee, because you know I'm a nerd. And you guys had an XM. <laughs> Did you, you guys had an XM. I was literally covering I was covering the impeachment inquiry all day, but I dipped in past the House Financial Services Committee because you guys said the Export Import Bank reauthorization oh. hearing and it got fiery. I mean, Steady Hoyer had well, to show up. You know that up. was me, right? Right. So yeah. tell me about what yeah. happened and then also Steady Hoyer showing up. <laughs> so today Steady Hoyer showed up. I don't know if it was because Katie Porter decided to dress up as Batwoman. I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> it um, is Halloween. Oh, okay. Don't get uh, uh, keep going, keep going. <laughs> so, um, but Steny came in there today. We knew the vote, you know, was going to be a little bit contentious because yesterday, you know, uh, I dropped a bomb in there um, on a <laughs> on a perfecting amendment to make sure that we got the original XM bill to a vote uh, because you know there was some reneging going on by the Democrats after the original bipartisan transparency we had on Chinese state-owned enterprises and emerging technologies, and that was a lot of my stuff in there, by the way, yeah. uh, that they took out. So um, obviously I voted against it because uh, uh, I was I got pretty angry about um, some of the things that were being said, and it looked like that some of the larger companies had convinced the Democrats that any enhanced look or transparency towards doing business with Chinese state-owned industries was a bad thing. And and I've been doing this, you know, buddy, you know I was a senior consultant for electronic warfare and countermeasures at the Pentagon the day before I was elected to Congress. Uh-huh. Uh, this is my first elected office. So my expertise was Chinese technologies and also how they utilize their defenses and how they – I don't know how far I can go here uh, – but how they interconnect uh, their defenses and how they use their uh, credit agencies to sort of bludgeon other countries. And so I, I just had to – I had to drop, I guess, I had to drop a bomb on him, and then it got very contentious with Maxine. But uh, we made up a couple hours later. <laughs> so it, was, <laughs> it was quite rough. Uh, it was quite rough on him because uh, if I go technical on him, they really can't answer to me. So uh, and then and then Hoyer showed up. Oh yeah, Steny Hoyer showed up today, which was we're like well, with his security and like what is going on here, but. Again, I didn't know it's because people were inappropriately dressed in Batwoman costumes because oh, obviously I should have dressed as a Hulk. Um, <laughs> and then we had, uh, 
you know, then we had all kinds of people being pulled out. I don't know if they were whipping votes for the impeachment vote or whatnot, but there was a lot of chaos in financial services. The there, last it was days. crazy, and, and, and no one covered it because it was the impeachment vote, but it was a wild day in Rayburn. It was That's a wild all- day. Well, Maxie Waters started pounding her gavel. Instead of saying recess, she was saying adjourn, and everybody's like, what? <laughs> it was a— it was a it was a wild scene. Uh, if anybody and by the way, when the camera went off after adjourn, it was thirty minutes after that was even wilder. If people were in the committee room, I'm it telling was, you, it was quite the day. The Exim Bank. I've said it now for eight years in this town is where all of the drama lies in Washington D.C. Final question: Did you watch the game last night? Will you be going to the parade on Saturday? Oh, so I won't be going to the parade because Vice President Pence is coming to my district. Oh, uh, right, Kevin. right. So yeah, we're talking USMCA down here and. Um, I'm his host, uh, but I did. I knew the game was over, and I know people are going to say, oh, you're rationalizing, but when Rendon hit that home run, it looked like the Astros deflated. And uh, when it went 2-1, to one, and I looked at my wife, I'd just gotten back from a dinner, the Daily Caller dinner, and I looked at my wife, I said, listen, I think I think the Nats are going to win this. And, <laughs> and by goodness, they did, and, and I was pretty excited about it. Well, it's a rough day for Senator Ted Cruz, huh? Rough day for Senator uh, Ted Cruz. Rough. Yeah, that's okay, he'll get over it. He lost before. All right, tell the vice president to give me an interview. Thank you, Congressman Denver Riggleman, <laughs> a Republican from Virginia. Coming up, what's on the panel's radar? I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Busy day. We talked about impeachment. We checked in with Congressman Denver Riggleman. We talked about the Nats. But now it's time for what's on the panel's radar. Max Burns, Democratic strategist. Tyler Deaton, Republican strategist. Uh, I'm going to ask you what's on your radar. And Tyler, uh, what do you think, first of all, of Congressman Denver Riggleman? Gosh, I love Congressman Riggleman. He's one of my favorite Republicans in the House. He's one of my favorite Republicans in the House. I think that, look, you heard him talking about his career, and I love that he had a career before becoming a politician. Like a real career. Like a real career, like an American career. Yeah. He's protected our country. I love it. And I think that when he talks about these issues, he knows what he's talking about. And, but, but he talks in a way that's very like, it's, it's very conversational, which is, is missing from a lot of, I, I don't want to get, in, uh, it, it, a lot of people with his background don't talk in that authentic way. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Oh, he's totally authentic. It's because he's not a politician. Yeah, he really doesn't come across like a politician at all. Yeah. All right, what's on your radar? 12 days from now, the Supreme Court is going to hear oral arguments on what I think is going to be one of the most politically important cases of this term. They granted review on a case surrounding the DACA program, which was created seven years ago by President Obama to protect people who you would usually know as dreamers. Yes. It's young immigrants who came to this country as children. And the DACA program has been working very successfully. But the, the concern is that President Trump ended the program administratively. There are still nearly 700,000 people who have DACA. And if the Supreme Court decides that the president can end the program, then by next spring you could have those same 700,000 people facing deportation. And I just think this is a looming political crisis that Democrats and Republicans aren't ready for the consequences of the Supreme Court nope. decision. So if the oral arguments look like the conservative majority on the court is going to side with the administration, then I think that Republicans in Congress need to start thinking about what that means for them politically. Wow. That's a good one. DACA. All right, Max, what's on your radar? 
Yesterday, Jack Dorsey yes. on Twitter oh, announced with the story. that Twitter is getting out of the political advertising game globally, not just candidates, but issues as well. And he made a really clear and, and coherent ethical argument for attempts that they've made to regulate this, to make it safe. They said it's just not possible to do. And, and they led with a swipe at Facebook for continuing to do this. And I'm curious how, now that Facebook is essentially standing alone on this increasingly controversial uh, ad campaign and, and political spending, uh, which doesn't represent that much money for Facebook. It really is just about engaging with, with ads and controlling content. Uh, how Facebook is going to justify to an increasingly skeptical Congress, uh, both parties in Congress, to boot, uh, that what they're doing is justifiable. Sheryl Sandberg, Facebook's Sheryl Sandberg, spoke exclusively to Bloomberg Television, my colleagues at Bloomberg Television, uh, earlier about this specifically and about whether or not Facebook will get out of the political advertising. Take a listen to what she said. We're not doing it because of the money. This is less than 1% of our revenue, and the revenue is not worth the controversy. But what Mark said is that we believe in free expression. We believe in political speech, and ads can be an important part of that. So do you think Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook can continue to, to toe that line? I think it's going to get harder and harder. I think you saw with the testimony on the Hill just recently that there's a lot of skepticism about this altruistic vision that Sheryl Sandberg and Mark Zuckerberg put forward, uh, and especially this idea that you can pay for political speech. One of the core parts of Dorsey's argument was that the value of political speech is that you earn viewers and you earn engagement based on the strength of your ideas. And if you're allowed to just pay money to put an idea in front of someone, whether it's true or not, that really undermines the entire idea of having to engage in a persuasive dialogue with people. And Facebook so far has not been able to put forward a convincing argument for why in the face of all of this concern and all of these scandals, it's pressing forward and even doubling down uh, into 2020. That's a, yeah, it, it, it really truthfully is. All right, what's on my radar? Trade. Trade policy, we got to cover it. Got to just catch folks up to speed quickly. Two trade fronts, not just the U.S. and China, but the U.S. and Britain, the U.K. Trump has warned Johnson that his Brexit deal makes the U.S. trade deal hard. President Trump says that Boris Johnson's Brexit deal will make it difficult for the British prime minister to strike a trade deal with the U.S. after the U.K. leaves the European Union. Uh, that's from my colleague Thomas Penny on the Bloomberg Terminal, which really, folks, just goes to show you that President Trump it just injected a lot of uncertainty into uh, the U.S.-U.K. trade deal. And then the big one, right, U.S. and China. China, reportedly, my colleagues have, on, on Bloomberg have been just all over this story uh, and ahead of everyone else. Uh, they've, they're reporting that, in, that the Chinese are casting doubt on a long-term trade deal and whether or not that's possible with President Trump. I, I'll say this. When I talk to lawmakers up on the Hill, they, they've been saying that for a while. They actually feel that... From a national security standpoint, there is more consensus that has been built by Dems and ours uh, on this issue and that they're playing a long game and President Xi is underestimating 
the long game and unity that there is on national security. Happy Halloween, folks. Go Nats. Awesome win. Thanks to the panel. Thanks to Congressman Denver Riggleman. Don't dress up as anything that will get you fired tonight. Please, I say it again. Don't dress up as anything that will get you fired. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+.